Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact right here in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host this week, Rebecca Black from 98.7 K-Love. You can catch me each and every weekday morning with Miles in the morning from 6 to 10 a.m. Thank you so much for joining me today. We start off this week's show with a fascinating charity right here in DFW, NSYNC Exotics Wildlife Rescue and Education Center. They actually got their start in 1998, specifically to meet the growing needs due to problems with uncontrolled breeding of cats as pets and for entertainment revenue. Joining us is their media relations director, Angela Culver, to tell us more about all the amazing good things that happen at NSYNC Exotics. How are you this morning, Angela? Hey, Rebecca. I am fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I have driven by your location a million times on my way to my hair salon, and I had no (laughs) idea that you guys were a nonprofit. Yeah, um, we are kind of the the best kept secret in DFW when it comes to things like this, which we're working on changing. But yeah, if, if you don't know that we're there, we're kind of inconspicuous. We're tucked in around Lake Levon. We've got a lot of trees on the property, and when you drive by, it just doesn't really look like much. But then you get in there, and oh my goodness, we've got, you know, 71 big cats wow. that we're caring for. It's kind of like a TARDIS, I guess. It's, it looks bigger on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's the thing. You guys started back in 1998. How did you get started? Because honestly, in Texas, especially Wiley, Texas, of all places, I didn't know there was a need for like big cat rescue. Yeah, um, this is one of those those issues that a lot of people don't know about until they know about. So it all started, Vicki, our founder and president, used to be a veterinary technician with a local vet's office. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been an animal lover her entire life, worked with animals, been around them, and, and always knew that she loved animals. That was just her passion. So she was a vet tech. Somebody brought in their air quotes here, pet cougar, um, for treatment at this local vet's office. Mm-hmm. So they treated the cat and called the owners to come back and get her, and they never came back. <gasps> so what do you do with a now orphaned cougar? Right. If somebody leaves their, their domestic house cat at a local vet's office, mm-hmm. there are things that you can do. You can put up flyers, you can find a home, you can foster, whatever. Not so much with a cougar. It was, what now? What do we do? So she looked into going through all the proper channels and doing all the paperwork and getting all of the permits to be able to bring her home herself. Because at that point in time, there weren't a whole lot of options to be able to take her to. And since she was used to humans and domestic, well, not domesticated, but but imprinted on humans. So she relied on, on humans for her food and her care. Even though cougars are native to North Texas, you can't just release them. One, it's illegal. And two, you never know what other territories you're releasing that cat into. And she doesn't have the survival skills to be able to hunt and catch and defend her territory and all of those things that she would be taught with her mother. Long story, somewhat shorter, Vicki Vicky was able to go through all of the proper channels and the paperwork and the permits and uh, bring Tahoe home herself. And so she started caring for Tahoe and developed an incredible bond with her. Then along came Ranger, another cougar who was in need of of care, and Ranger and Tahoe bonded very well. Then later came Kenya, who was a tiger cub, who was privately bred, and it was pretty apparent at that point that, no, this is really a problem. 
And so in 2000, InSync Exotics was officially formed, and here we are 20 years later, over 300 cats we've helped. Now we're at 71. So wow. um, obviously this is not just a, a Texas issue. Mm-hmm. It is a big issue. Um, there are more cats in captivity in the United States than are left in the wild in the rest of the world. Like that sounds like such a it sounds crazy statement. Yeah, yeah, but it's absolutely true. Private ownership issues are just there's so many people who think that it's okay and that it's even cool to like right. own these big cats and to breed them and to buy them and sell them and and show them and once you kind of like dig a little bit into the issues in the industry around mm-hmm. it you just keep uncovering more and you're just like, oh my goodness, how is this even happening? Here we are, 2021. How are we still here, you know? Right, exactly. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that it's like popular to get a big cat, basically, and then I guess abandon it, if you will, which kind of leads me to Tiger King. You know, it was on Netflix. It kind of exploded during the pandemic. How does that affect you guys? We've known about him and that particular park for years Mm -hmm. and years and years. Um, And he's not the only one. Of course not. There's so many. I mean, as as the documentary shown, there's there's so many. It it has affected us. Um, A lot of people are now aware that there's an issue where they maybe weren't before. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though the Netflix series kind of sensationalized the drama between people, there is that underlying issue that I personally felt could have been shown more prominently of the animals mm-hmm. because they're completely at our mercy. They didn't choose to be born in captivity. Mm-hmm. They didn't choose to be sold to the highest bidder. They didn't choose for any of this. Mm-hmm. So it's all, you know, the humans involved. And we have a responsibility, an incredible responsibility for their health, their well-being, their welfare, um, their happiness. And you know, and ultimately, like, this industry shouldn't even exist. Mm -hmm. Like, these animals should be out in the wild. We would love to be put out of business someday. We would love to not have any more cats that needed rescuing from people who were abusing them, neglecting them, mistreating them, or even, like, the well-intentioned people who, oh, well, I can provide care, and then life situations happen. Suddenly, Mm -hmm. they get sick, or a divorce happens, or they have to move to another country for a job, you know, whatever. I mean, that's how we get our animals is is rescue situations. And so, yeah, it it has affected us. We've gotten a lot more questions, Mm -hmm. which I think that education is fantastic. Like, let's get these issues out there. Let's talk about them. Let's bring them up to the light because so many people are shocked when they find out because so many people just just don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, So the more we can educate, I think the faster we can we can bring an end to all the the abuse and the mistreatment um, of these animals. Um, So do you think that Tiger King, in a weird way, I mean, have you guys seen the influx of cats now because of that? Has it inspired like another weird bump in getting Um, more animals? There have been a lot of moving pieces and a lot of, because things have been brought to light, Yeah, um, a lot of polarization because there's definitely the camp that believes that, you know, well, we should be able to do whatever we want. And, you know, the, the animals are fine. They're, they're great. You, mm-hmm. you guys just don't understand. Um, and then there's also been the camp of, you know, this is a really big problem. You don't understand. Like, let's, we have a responsibility for these cats. Um, so we haven't, our, our sanctuary in particular hasn't seen a huge influx of new cats there's definitely a, a kind of a change in the wind as far as the attitude goes mm-hmm. towards these places. And people are taking a closer look at what a true sanctuary is versus the people that just claim that they're a sanctuary. I'm so glad um, you brought that up because I'm like, how do you as, you know, maybe you're thinking you're going to a petting zoo or whatnot. How do you differentiate the two? How do you know what's right and what's wrong when it comes to these sanctuaries? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can define a true sanctuary by they do not breed, Mm -hmm. they do not buy, they do not sell, they do not allow public interaction with their cats for any amount of money. And those are some really, really great indicators. So if you see a place that 
seems to be good, but they're like, oh, you know, come swim with tiger cubs or come bottle feed a tiger baby or, hey, look at these new cubs that we happen to have mm-hmm. on the regular. Um, that's, that's a pretty good indication that they're putting the money before the animals. We have had a couple of cubs born at our facility, mm-hmm. um, but we absolutely did not breed. Probably the most well-known of those is white tiger Kylo Ren, named for said Star Wars character. Uh, love it. Love um, it. Right? <laughs> so we rescued his parents, Assad and Zara, from an owner out in West Texas who didn't have proper permitting. Mm-hmm. And when we rescue animals, we put them into a 30-day mandatory quarantine. So during that quarantine period, we were able to neuter Assad, the male, but we didn't know if Zara was pregnant because the two of them had been housed together as their previous owners. So we decided to wait. The two of them were separate in quarantine. It's a good thing we did um, because, surprise, one morning (laughs) uh, Zara wouldn't come out for chicken, which was kind of a keeper was walking by and heard a funny noise looks in and there's a tiny little white tiger cub Mm -hmm. in the den. And so immediately she radios and she's like, um, Zara just gave birth. Well, Zara didn't like, she cleaned him off, but Mm -hmm. that was it. She wasn't snuggling him for warmth. She wasn't like, he wasn't nursing none of that. Um, and so after a lot of anxious phone calls with big cat vets and our vet and, uh, who was on site, and a lot of experts, um, after a few hours, we were like, okay, she's, she's obviously not going to bond with him. We have to step in or mm-hmm. he's going to die. Obviously, it's better if mom raised him. but And we don't know what Zara experienced before she came to live mm-hmm. with us. She could have had cubs previously, mm-hmm. um, which is probably pretty likely because both parents are white tigers. White tigers are very often bred together to make more white tigers. And uh, those babies are pulled very young and, you know, sold off to the highest bidder. Chances are she'd given birth before and the babies had been pulled. And so she wasn't able to develop any of those motherly instincts. Mm -hmm. But Kylo Ren is doing fantastic now. He is perfectly healthy as far as white tigers go. He's got the typical cross size that you see with a white tiger Mm -hmm. because of the issues with inbreeding. He spends his days playing with his two best friends, Kenobi and Anakin, who are also rescues. Kenobi came from several years ago. There was a a news story about some people who were smuggling a tiger cub across the border from Mexico in a duffel bag. Wow. And and that's where we got Kenobi. So luckily we were able to introduce all three of the boys together when they were still young enough. And they are super bonded. They love playing together. They tag, chase, play in their pool. A lot of the cats that come to you are domesticated already. Is there any chance, I guess, to teach them what they should have been learning in the wild and then to go back eventually? Or is it like, no, you can't. They have to stay here forever now. We would love it if they could go back to the wild, but they just they can't. They can't. You know, there have been people who tried, mm-hmm. um, but just the programs just never they don't work out if they don't get those crucial skills from their mom in mm-hmm. those first two years. It's just not something that we're set up to be able to handle. I know that there's been other countries who have been able to re-release animals back out into the wild. Um, A tiger referred to as Cinderella comes to mind, Mm -hmm. where they were able to rehabilitate her. But that requires a lot of planning, a lot of knowledge of the cats already in the area. It's a very, very, very long and slow process. But yeah, for most of the cats, that's just unfortunately not a viable option. That's incredibly sad. It really is. It's just truly heartbreaking that there's no way of going back and being like the true self that they are. Uh, So that leads me to they're basically with you guys forever. And I would imagine that gets pretty costly. They live a long time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Once we rescue a cat, they're they're with us for life. And they have similar lifespans to like domestic cats. Yeah. 16 to 23 years, that's that's pretty costly. Our budget is about 1.3 million a year. Wow. Um, and we and we're we're a nonprofit. We just rely solely on donations from people who believe in what we're doing as much as we do. 
And we have been incredibly, incredibly fortunate that we have some amazing supporters who help keep us afloat. I'm not going to lie. The pandemic hit us pretty hard. Um, we hold events throughout the year. Uh-huh. Um, our biggest one being the Easter egg hunt. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> you know, la- last year it was, well, can't really do that. Right. You know, you can't have like a couple thousand people on site, you know, all vying for the same Easter egg. That's just not going to work. So right. we had to take that event virtual. And, um, you know, luckily we were, we were still able to raise um, a decent amount of money through that event, but all of our, you know, all of our big, huge events have been, have been primarily virtual. And we just made the call um, this last week, the, the board of directors made the call that, that the Easter egg hunt is, we're still going to have to do a modified version this year because wow. though the vaccination, you know, is available, it's, there, there's not going to be enough people vaccinated by the beginning of April right. for that to be a, a socially responsible choice. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also the fact that the big cats can catch COVID. Um, there were cats up at the Bronx, Bronx Zoo that caught COVID from an asymptomatic zookeeper. So um, not only is it in the interest of protecting public health, but it's in the interest of, of protecting our own cats, which are you know, always our first and foremost responsibility and thought. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I had forgotten that a couple of cats had caught COVID. And there was a there was a time there where we weren't really sure, like, is that true? Is it not true? But it is. You're right. It is absolutely true that they can catch COVID. How do you yeah. begin to treat that? Because it's an animal. It's completely different than humans. Oh, absolutely. You you offer supportive care. And luckily, the, the cats at the Bronx Zoo, their symptoms were fairly mild mm-hmm. and Last I had checked, they all survived and had, you know, were recovering well. But in a case like that, yeah, you treat the symptoms and you offer them a lot of supportive care and just do the best that you can and kind of like humans as well. Like you do the best you can and just kind of hope for the best. Right. I mean, it's really all you can do. I mean, I don't I would imagine it's probably fairly difficult to quarantine a tiger. We do have quarantine facilities in our in our on-site veterinary clinic. Uh Uh-huh. So we can quarantine specific animals as needed for things. So, you know, that's, we're incredibly fortunate there because a lot of sanctuaries don't have on-site vet clinics. So, yeah, we're, we're very fortunate there. And it was built by design to have quarantine facilities for new incoming cats and then also for, like, recovery mm-hmm. for post-surgery cats than anybody else who needed some supportive care and needed to have a little bit closer eye kept on them. It sounds like you guys are running this really incredible state-of-the-art type place. We do our absolute best. And I I know that being a a board director Mm -hmm. at Insane Exotics, I'm a little bit biased, but I've seen other sanctuaries and I've seen other facilities and other places that claim to be sanctuaries. And I'm incredibly proud. We have over 100 volunteers who come out every single week. Every enclosure gets Amazing. cleaned every day. Wow. Every cat gets fed every night. So there's people cleaning. There's people preparing meals. There's people keeping up the grounds and facilities and the enclosures. And it's this amazing, amazing team of people who come from all different walks of life, all different ages, all different backgrounds. But the one thing that we all share is that we're all passionate about the cats. Uh, that actually leads me to how long have you actually been working with NSEEK Exotics? Uh, I started as a volunteer back in 2010. Okay. And I've been on the board for almost four years now. So what inspired you initially to get involved, even just to volunteer? I have always been an animal lover myself mm-hmm. and particularly cats. Um, they're, I've had a cat my entire life and I am also passionate about wildlife and conservation and so I was doing some research, and I ran across a species of cat called an amur leopard. And they're a smaller leopard. They're located in eastern Russia and western China, and they are one of the most endangered big cats in the world. They um, have suffered habitat loss. They've suffered poaching. They've suffered prey species decline. They've kind of been hit from all directions, like a lot of species have. Mm-hmm. At the time that I started researching about them, 55 left in the wild um, and less than 300 left in the world. Hmm. Um, Their story just, I don't know, there's something about them. They just got to me. And I I said, okay, 
I want to see if I can see one in person. I want to try and help them, but I don't, you know, I I don't know how long they're going to be around. So uh, I did some research to see if I could find one that I could see, you know, in real life in, in person. And I found another sanctuary here in Texas. And so I went and visited a few times and I decided, you know, I really want to volunteer my time to start helping these big cats, even though I know that they're in captivity Still, it's, it's something I can do. Well, I contacted them about volunteering, and nobody ever called me back. Yeah. Um, and then by chance, I happened to see a flyer out called the Big Cat Birthday Bash at NSYNC that happens every June. I went, wait, there's more than one sanctuary in North Texas? How big is this problem? Right. <laughs> and so, so I went to go visit NSYNC that next weekend because I, I want to volunteer my time with a reputable facility. I was on site less than five minutes, and I was instantly able to tell how much they cared about those cats, and the cats were happy, they were healthy, they were relaxed, everything was clean, um, and the people were genuine. Um, and so I sent in, sent in an email, and I was like, hey, I would like to volunteer with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the volunteer coordinator contacted me back, like, less then 12 hours later and wow. said, hi, great. When do you want to interview? Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> so I was like, okay then. <laughs> it was meant yeah. to be. <laughs> it was. It was. I just love hearing stories like that. And you're such a wonderful person, amazing person to, um, you're really basically being the voice for these cats that don't have a voice. You're very welcome. And um, I, I sincerely mean that. I'm like, you, InSync Exotics, you guys are doing really wonderful things. And, um, Obviously, we hope that you continue to do well and we want to see you guys succeed. How can people learn more about you guys? Obviously, they can go to your website, nsyncexotics.org, but where else can we find you guys? Sure. So we have a super, super active Facebook page. Uh, we've got a lot of fans, a lot of followers. Um, so that's just facebook.com slash nsyncexotics. Uh, we also have an Instagram and Twitter accounts. Um, also, just, you know, at nsyncexotics. Um, we have feline Fridays that are done, uh, live on our Facebook page on Fridays that I do, um, just to give people, we have people who love us from literally all over the world Mm -hmm. and who may or may not be able to actually ever visit us, uh, in person. So in order to keep them kind of engaged as well as, as the photos and the videos that we post on our Facebook page, I'll do the, uh, Facebook live on Fridays and uh, do a little bit of a Q&A from there as well. Um, so that's a great way to be able to find us. Uh, we do have special events throughout the year. We will have uh, our Easter egg hunt coming up. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different this year. So the cats always get some sort of a treat. So they'll be getting their Easter eggs. Um, love that. And some of the cats love eating them. Some of the cats just like playing with them. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens this year. Uh, but the cats will definitely be getting treats. And um, so that'll be going on in June. We have our big cat birthday bash. Hopefully by then we'll be able to kind of be back to, to normal right. uh, schedule. But we'll just, we'll see. And um, so we have lots of events throughout the year. You can find out all about those on our website, nsyncexotics.org. We also have a YouTube channel where we've got some videos posted of cats being silly and Hmm. doing all of the crazy, fun, goofy things that they do. Um, So, yeah, that's that's a great way to get in touch. Um, And we are are open to the public on weekends, on Saturdays and Sundays. bring your mask and um and come out and see us we would we would love to see you in person going to see you guys up close and in person i think that's actually great especially there's not a whole lot that we can really do indoors with covid and all of that so at least you'd be outside and getting to basically witness wildlife up close and personal oh absolutely absolutely um you are we we always have a double fence system so there's two fences between the cats and the general public but you can still get close enough to get peed on. <laughs> oh my gosh! Right? No way! <laughs> that's, that's not a that's not a normal like perk of you know like attraction for for a lot of places that have animals. But 
but it does allow you to get close enough safely <laughs> to be able to get a real sense of just how large and how majestic these cats are. Because you go to a place like a zoo or a yeah. safari park or whatever, right. you can see these cats like way off. You're like, oh, yeah, they seem pretty big. But when you're like four feet from them and you can tell, oh, my goodness, their paw is like as big as my head. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really puts things in perspective. Um, and, and it's even cooler if you happen to be standing there when the lions decide to start singing and they uh, sing, and then another lion joins in and then all of the lions join in and it's, and you can just feel the ground rumble, you know? That's wow. A, that's, that's a very variance that you don't get to get at a lot of places. No, I'm like, I'm blown away. I, first of all, I didn't even know that lions would do that, that if one starts and the rest start chiming in, I, mm-hmm. that's gotta be equally cool and terrifying at the same time. Yes. Yes, um, we have we have one particular enclosure called Surround Sound. All of our all of our big enclosures have kind of uh, names uh-huh. so that we can easily and quickly identify them. Uh, so one of them is called Surround Sound, and it's it houses lions, and it's called Surround Sound for that reason because <laughs> you know when you when you're in a walkway, you know between enclosures and you're cleaning or whatever, and the lions all start singing. Like you are literally surrounded by this sound and it is just, it's in the truest sense of the word, awe-inspiring. Wow, that sounds so cool. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, before I let you go, is there any other thing that you want to talk about that maybe we didn't touch on? Um, Yeah, actually. Uh, So if you see someone who posts a picture of themselves with an exotic animal, Mm -hmm. big cat or any exotic animal, right, really. or a baby, or uh, sure, it makes you quote unquote look cool on your Instagram feed or on social media. But stop and think about the life of that animal. Yeah, did they choose to be there? Mm-hmm. You know, do you go on vacation and swim with otters? Well, can the otters come up to you of their own free will, or are they kind of trapped there? Mm-hmm. Um, think about the life of that animal. Mm-hmm. For cats specifically, they can only be handled. Up to a certain, uh, up to a certain age, um, before they become too big, too dangerous, and unmanageable. Okay, so what happens to those cubs? Your photo op, you yeah. know, they're often either uh, either meant to be breeders mm-hmm. and gone back into like the basically puppy mill for big cats, or they get sold to the highest bidder, or they just kind of get shoved in a cage somewhere. Or they're euthanized because nobody wants them anymore. They've served their purpose, and they're now done. You know, you see some of these are like, oh, well, I bought this cat, or I got this picture taken with a cat. Mm -hmm. And and it's not that I don't think that people mean well. I think they don't think beyond just the present moment. You are absolutely right. They're, They're not considering the life of that animal and what what that looks like. So, you know, take a minute. If you have an opportunity to do it, stop and think and reconsider the life of that animal. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Talk to somebody. Get the, you know, if it's somebody that's doing it at a mall, at a fair, at a whatever, um, talk to management. Say, hey, this is not something that I support. Educate your friends. You hear of somebody that's like, hey, I'm going to go play with animals this weekend, and I'm going to go swim with tiger cubs. And educate them. Be like, hey, that's not cool and mm-hmm. here's why so yeah absolutely if we all work together we can stop the need for sanctuaries like ours to exist and ultimately that's our goal we want we want to not have to exist um and all true sanctuaries have that same goal of we want there to be no more cats that need rescuing absolutely well thank you so much for talking with me this morning i'm truly enlightened you guys are doing really wonderful things at nsync exotics again your website is nsyncexotics.org donate if you can again angela thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning we really appreciate it absolutely thank you so much rebecca thanks rebecca and thanks to all of you for joining us this morning on better living a program that goes into depth with some amazing nonprofit organizations doing great things right here in North Texas. I'm Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and it's great catching up this morning with Dave Swavey, my buddy, who's the founder of Guns and Hoses of North Texas. Dave is a retired police officer from Garland and a longtime Cleveland Browns fan, so later today we know what he's going to be doing locked up in front of that TV. How you doing, Dave? Man, I'm doing great there, uh, Chris. How you doing, brother? Hall of Fame uh, guy. 
Uh, this is uh, <laughs> it's a nice experience to be able to talk directly to you for a change. Yeah, we haven't talked to you since uh, they put me in the Texas Radio Hall of Fame. I am flattered and honored and, and good hearing from you after a long time. Tell you what, Dave, we talked about you being a Cleveland Browns fan. Today's a Sunday. It's a football kind of Sunday. I know you're going to be locked into some television, but everybody wants to know about guns and hoses. They've heard about it on 105.3 The Fan. They've heard about it on some of our other sister stations as well. Can you explain what guns and hoses does? Yes, sir. So uh, we, we got this thing started uh, with a group of friends and, and family members about 2002. And what it's designed to do is help uh, the families of fallen police officers and firefighters. And when we originally got started, we adopted uh, what is called the North Texas Water District, which was 14 to 16 counties. Uh, we've since expanded because of the beer that Lakewood uh, Brewery started uh, with our name on it, uh, we went 20 counties. So what, what it is, is through sporting events and fundraising efforts, we're able to write a check to the family of a fallen within the first, uh, 42 to 70 or 48 to 72 hours, just to try to help those families, uh, for the immediate needs. Uh, there's going to be a lot of things that'll come up, families coming in town. Um, the, the bills become due, um, and, you know, we, we've all experienced loss somewhere, grandfather, grandmother, somebody of that nature. And, and it, insurance policies don't just uh, come right to you. Uh, so there's, there's a time delay between filing the paperwork once a fatality has occurred to where they re- actually receive a check. And I've, I've heard on some situations that it, it could be up to three years before they receive anything. Wow. Well, I'm glad you guys are able to fill in some of those spaces for a lot of different deserving first responders. Now, we mentioned guns and hoses and how you created it, and I also mentioned that you're a former police officer. Can you talk about what inspired you to become a police officer uh, back when you started, a little bit about yourself? Well, it's about the age of 12, I, I got impressed. I'm a Pennsylvania uh, boy, um, and a state trooper showed up one day, and just the just his demeanor, the way he he was dressed, and of course they had those smoky the bear hats back in the day. I, I was extremely impressed with uh, <clears throat> with just the way he handled himself. <laughs> Absolutely uh, started my my track at age of twelve um, to try to 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 make this uh, become a reality. And and when I uh, turned eighteen, uh, I was able to get into the military and and joined a military police force, which I stayed with for four years until I uh, arrived back in Texas uh, after the military. And um, as the story goes, my wife was pregnant with our first child, who is now a Garland police officer. Um, And she got a job at a stop-and-go in the good old city of Garland (laughs) wearing my jeans so she could hide her pregnancy. And uh, that was the only place I knew how to get to and, and go back to my apartment. So I applied for Garland and was hired in 1981 and uh, was able to stay there for almost 35 years. Wow. So did you think of the guns and hoses of North Texas while you were still a police officer, or did this happen after you retired? No, it started. So um, in 1989, I was in canine, and we I was involved in the arrest uh, of the uh, suspect that was actually responsible for killing the first officer in the city of Garland. And uh, with that said, there was really, we were not prepared for the death. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't have an honor guard. There was really nothing that we were ready for. DPD came in and, and actually provided us for the necessaries for the funeral. Uh, because of my military background, I knew how to fold a flag, so I ended up on the honor guard. Well, what transpired over the next several years is I was involved in several additional uh, fatality funerals uh, if, uh, with the police. And, uh, you know, you're sitting there in that funeral, and you're 17 rows back, and it, it dawned on me that, you know, I don't think we're really doing enough here for these spouses. What if we could each give $5? I mean, there's thousands of us here. So... um Moving forward from 89, 1993, I, st- I was the first lieutenant to start the gang unit in Garland. And uh, we immediately realized there wasn't much going on in the city as far as uh, at-risk youth was concerned. So we started a boxing program based on my experience as an amateur boxer back in the 70s. And uh, that kind of evolved. And I was trying to raise money for kids, and it was just becoming harder and harder. The program was growing. Um, so 
it just so happened that I had a friend in the boxing world that turned me on to the Guns and Hoses in St. Louis, and with their help and uh, tutelage and mentoring, we were able to get Guns and Hoses off the ground here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area with the uh, very first event being a boxing event, which is our largest fundraiser of the year. Before we get into the major boxing event, you do have a, an interest in boxing, so do I, and you mentioned about the at-risk youth that you guys were taking care of with the boxing program. Could you talk about um, how your program is similar or different to anything with the Police Athletic League or with Golden Gloves? Uh, it, it's it's similar and, and different in, in, a, in a lot of respects um, because we're not tied to the PAL, the Police Athletic League, per se. We, we have kind of a different direction. Um, obviously, the boxing is the hook, and predominantly down here, what, what comes to, to the gym on a, on a daily basis is the Hispanic families. But the minority families, by and far, uh, are seeking help with their, with their children. And uh, being able to get that started, we immediately realized that we needed an educator. So the school district with the city of Garland was able to afford us a tutor. So we had uh, added a tutor about 14 years ago, and then um, our city municipal judge had a karate program that he was desperately seeking to have more of a permanent location. So we added the karate, um, <clears throat> and then a chef got interested in us. So we started adding cooking classes, not only for the kids, but for the parents. Um, and it just kind of goes without saying that through that tutor, we've been able to propel these kids not only just to get high school because our original decision was just to get these kids off the street and get them educated and get them through high school we've had kids go on we have a female now that's an american airlines pilot hopefully she's back to work with the stimulus bills um but i have attorneys police officers firefighters it's absolutely amazing uh and i heard a story yesterday about how you coach in the nfl nowadays you know can you be the a coach or do you have to be more of a considerate person and i promise you that these kids love discipline and the more discipline we Mm -hmm. put on these children the better they respond to it and and uh i actually have a couple of kids right now the age of 16 that i believe could make a run for the olympics now that's an unusual and a very unique situation that comes around once in a lifetime but the amount of kids that i've had graduate from college and go on and have successful careers it it's a it's a truly humbling experience if you spend a little time with a kid, what will happen? You know, you mentioned the discipline aspect of it. I found out with a lot of kids, and I've got three kids myself, that they just want to know what the parameters are. Once you tell them what the expectation is, they have they aspire to reach that, and they feel self-fulfilled when they accomplish things, when they either reach the goal or come close to it. And I think that's what discipline's all about. Am I wrong? No, it, it, it really is. And <clears throat> when I was in charge of the gang unit, you you would be surprised at how many kids out there, and I'm talking about kids gun-carrying, going mm-hmm. to the pen for the lifetime kind of kid, that that still enjoyed the fact that we cared about them. You know? Yeah. Um, I had kids calling out to other officers, hey, where's – and I, I got the – I got named Rico Suave out there on the street because they couldn't pronounce Suave. So, and, <laughs> and Rico was, kind of, you know, that was a big thing. Oh, yeah, then. big song, big thing. It was big a big term. movement back then, yeah. And pe- people would call me, uh, officers, and said, hey, I got a bunch of gang off kids over here. They're requesting your assistance. And they knew I was going to be fair with them. And, and you know, I followed some of those kids uh, throughout their careers. To this day, my daughter was a Dallas cop for about 12 years before she moved to Garland and the the – the old gang members were asking, "Hey, is your dad still in the gang unit in Garland?" So it it's a it's a unique opportunity to address children at, at a different level, and uh, man, they 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 do respond, as you know, Chris. They respond to the discipline. And you know what I'm getting a kick out of? Yeah, Rico Suave was Mister Cool back in the day. So for them to call you Suave, that was a very sign of respect, man. That was a great sign of respect. We're <laughs> talking. Go ahead. No, no, no. It was kind of funny because they named us just like we named them, you know. Exactly, exactly. We're talking to Dave Swavey. He is the founder of Guns and Hoses of North Texas. And we mentioned the guns part, which is the police officers. Can you talk about how you were able to get in touch with firefighters and the families that you took care of the firefighters and why, and about that aspect of it? Because they're first responders as well. 
Oh, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, the, I'm the gun. My wife was a firefighter for Plano, and she's the hose. So I, I know very well both sides of the equation. Mm-hmm. And um, we're, we're able to make some real good efforts into that relationship through my wife's uh, relationship with the fire department. And uh, we, we do some amazing things. For example, uh, a gentleman just got uh, recognized for his uh, community support efforts. Uh, Jerry Click through the Garland Fire Department, through our efforts, we contribute money. He takes about 100 kids Christmas shopping. And, Chris, you remember last year you attended it. For yes. A yes, uh, I did. So all these efforts uh, that are going on, unbe- unbe- you know, with everything going on right now and the, the communities and people talking so negatively about police, there's so much that is going on. It, it's kind of my job or our job to try to promote some of these things to the community. Hey, look what these guys are doing. These guys and girls are out here, you know, taking money out of their own pocket and taking these kids Christmas shopping and, uh, you know, helping them, tutoring, doing whatever they can to, to try to make a better community. I mean, we live here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the fire department is a, is a much, <laughs> well, they're truly needed the day after the boxing event because with them and their big trucks and their trailers, they helped me tear that whole event down and put it away. You mentioned the big event. Let's tell everybody about the big event because you normally have this in September, and I, we'll talk about the pandemic and how that affected it. But first, talk about the big event itself. It's the fire department and the police department, the blue versus the red in a boxing ring. Man, it is a it, – and, and it's uh, all across the country. There's probably eight to ten that I'm familiar with that do these types of events a- annually. And the, the camaraderie that exists afterwards, but, but the true competition between cops and firemen, it is, it's uh, second to none. And, man, they, they'll, they train hard. They come into our gym. The local gyms will train the cops and firemen. So what happens is we put out an advertisement, hey, we're looking for guys that want to box this year's event, guys and gals. And then they apply, and then they, they have to come to the Garland Police Gym to get evaluated. Once they're evaluated, my wife, who really doesn't appreciate boxing, says, I'm going to take these matches under my wing and make sure everybody has a 50-50 chance of winning. Um, She'll make the matches up. We tell them they have an opponent, and they start training. We give them about two months to get ready. And the local gyms where they train actually bring them with some of their kids to work the the ring that night and uh, we in turn donate money back to those local gyms for the for the assistance and we get we get help from all kinds of different uh, gyms uh, a couple of professionals that run gyms out in Fort Worth now Polly Ayala he comes every year mm-hmm. and he loves working the corner with these guys it's been a great great opportunity for us but bringing the community get it together and then allowing these guys to participate and compete um, of course, the firemen, there are, three, there are three events ahead of us, and if we're allowed to do 2021, this will be our 20th uh, event that we've been able to uh, successfully pull off. You mentioned Polly Ayala. That's a good buddy of mine from back in the day when he was the champion of the world. I think he was the lightweight champion of the world, maybe the featherweight, but he was a great, great fo- boxer back in there, great fighter, and I'm glad he's been a part of the uh, the program. And let's talk again more about the pro- the event itself because I've had a chance to attend a few of those. What I've been impressed with is you have it normally at the Allen Event Center, and it's like tables are sold down low, but people can come and buy tickets in the arena area and I just think it's an outstanding event with the communities because so many people are excited about it and they have so much fun at it. Yeah, we had it for about 11 years over in the city of Mesquite. And uh, uh, the recent passing of the old mayor there, John Monaco, actually uh, <laughs> gave us gave us the look and, and allowed us the opportunity to come in. And, mm-hmm. and a short little story, because I know how you like telling stories. Oh, yes. Um, Donnie Nelson actually came to one of our events and saw it and realized that the Mesquite Rodeo Arena actually had potential far and above just being a rodeo center. And because of our event, him and his group purchased uh, the arena. Wow. I think they moved on, but he, he made mention of it to me and said, you, you guys are the reason that we decided to purchase it because you give us what this place actually could look like. So, um, yeah, uh, an elaborate lighting and sound system. Uh, Gemini comes in, gives us a great discount on that so we can put it together. The cops and the firemen all put it together. Uh, There's probably 160-plus volunteers that help us uh, throughout that week trying to get that thing off the ground and ready. 
we've we've been close to 5,000 spectators, but the Allen Event Center is now home to us um, this year for 2021. It will be on September 11th. We're we're praying to God that we're able to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm working with the uh, North Texas Chevy dealers right now uh, because it is our 20th event. We are working on a championship belt that will be outstanding. Each one of the participants, uh, victors, will actually win one of these if we can get this thing off the ground. We're working on uh, trying to get a hold of Mike Tyson. I'm friends with Earl Spence. Maybe we can get him to the event. We're just going to really make this uh, a bigger deal than it normally is. It's already a big deal. But the amount of money that we're able to raise for this thing, uh, we've been able to help 61 families to date, and we write a check for $20,000. And we couldn't have done that without the participation of the community, buying tickets, buying tables. And, you know, we sell probably 100. We sell more tables than we're allowed to put on the floor, if I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> I think we have 114, and they're like, guys, we can't put any more. We're going to have to start double stacking them. So um, <laughs> we're getting a, we get a lot of support from a lot of our sponsors, and uh, we couldn't do it without them. And out 105, you know, helping us promote it. it it's, uh, it's been a, a hell of a ride. Well, Guns and Hoses of North Texas is an outstanding organization, and that event is is great, fantastic family fun. It's it's a thing that the entire communities are involved in. Um, this past year, in 2020, that's when the pandemic hit. Can you tell us how that affected that event and how you guys were able to pivot and continue your fundraising efforts for the families of the first responders who lost their lives? Yeah, so... <clears throat> come May with our first event, which is our annual golf tournament, and it attracts almost 500 golfers. Um, we pushed that to the point where we decided we could no longer change the date anymore. And uh, we, we thought of several different ways to do things. And one after another, uh, we had to cancel events. The one event that we were able to pull off this year was was hockey. And believe it or not, uh, we got uh, 24 teams wow. uh, to show up. We had to change the way we do things. So we had a a little tent city outside of the arena and the Dallas stars alumni, uh, Marty Turco and those guys over there, outstanding people. Uh, they were there in force, brought some guys, brought some of the alumni out to be a part of it. And, uh, the New York city cops came down. I was shocked, uh, especially with all of the things that are going on in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, but we ended up with 24 teams. It was a, it was a good opportunity for us and just, just a common, uh, marketing campaign that, that my social media directors do for, for the foundation. We've been able to sustain ourselves. Um, sponsors stepped up and said, you know, irregardless, we're going to contribute to this, even though there's no events this year. So we have a real stable uh, sponsorship group. Uh, North Texas Chevy dealers, for example, I think are now in their 18th year of sponsoring this event. Um, and I, I'd be honest with you, I wouldn't drive anything else. I mean, I love my Chevy truck. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, you got to get creative. Um, we just entered into and waiting for our licensing approval to start participating in bingo. Uh, what that means is a couple of nights a week in a local charity bingo hall in Garland, we're able to be the uh, charity that's going to be the recipients of the funds. Now, it's a long process, and you have to wait for several uh, months to get the approval through the lottery commission. But at that point, we're going to be able to have at least some kind of income coming in throughout. Now, the good thing about us is our bills are minimal. We pay none. Of, you know, we have no paid employees. Mm -hmm. uh, our CPAs, our attorneys, they're all gratis. They, they donate their time for this. So there's nothing really going out. And uh, we've been very fortunate, too, that we've only – you know, prior to the pandemic, we had only lost three uh, first responders. And uh, today, knock on wood, we're still lucky. Now, the pandemic has taken several of them. Um, but you may or may not know that the state of Texas at this point does not recognize uh, death by COVID as a workman's comp claim. Oh, my goodness. Um, and so the federal government, you still have to prove it. It's kind of like where the fire department's at with certain types of cancer. Mm -hmm. It has to be proven. Uh, and, again, that, that's nothing that's going to probably change in the immediate future. Um, so we stay close to a lot of what's going on out there, and we're, we're always in contact with the families when they lose someone. And we're there to, you know, hey, we'll do a fundraiser. Just let us know how we can help you. Uh, 
shooting, but it's we're getting creative, and I think uh, we're probably going to maybe add a, a skeet shoot this year just for something different and new to attract um, barbecue competitions, which I love to do. Oh yeah, barbecue is um, a sport. Man, I, I'm I'm almost good enough to be somebody. Um, we got <laughs> we got a second place, and we 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 lucked out and uh, Suckle Busters, which is a local uh, rub. Here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, they've um, we're part of Team Suckle Busters now, so we get sponsorship from them and and uh, just just uh, waiting on the next phone call to say, hey, let's do it. So uh, I've been in contact with the golf course. I believe we're going to be able to do our event May the third. It's it's just going to be different, um, but we got to be prepared for that. And you know, uh, let's go back to the prohibition time. You know, Budweiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brewery sold ice cream sandwiches and school supplies to make it through that time. Mm-hmm. So you got to reinvent yourself, so to speak. Exactly. It's all about what is the new normal, reinventing yourself, thinking outside of the box. This is Better Living. We're talking with Dave Swaby, who's the founder of Guns and Hoses of North Texas. And when the families of the first responders who lose their lives need your help, how are they able to reach out to you guys? I know that the different police departments and fire departments can contact you, but are there other ways as well? Uh, you know, uh, a lot of times it's through the guys that have participated in the sport prior to, specifically the boxing. And mm-hmm. what we've done through the efforts of Guns and Hoses, when a check's presented to the family, if a department has had a participant in the past, we utilize those guys to present the check, the guys and the gals to present the check to the family. So there's a relationship there that they understand why and what they're doing. Uh, we did it at the Carrollton Fire Department here just a few months back. Um, there was a captain that passed away, and his wife was a nurse. Uh, they'd been to our event several times. The, the Carrollton Fire Department were very well aware of us, and we got a phone call within the very first, uh, within the hours of him passing that they were going to be in need of us. So that happens, news media outlets, uh, board directors obviously paying attention. And uh, and 105.3 The Fan, I'll get a, a call occasionally from Gavin mm-hmm. uh, that says, hey, guys, I think we're, we just lost one. So uh, it takes a community to keep us involved. Um, we hope that we never miss one. But that that's usually how it comes to us. And then we kick into action. Uh, because of my relationship with so many different departments, I'm able to directly contact the chief. He puts me in touch with the family liaison, and then we make arrangements to hand the check over uh, very quietly. We don't want any, you know, no publicity. I, that's I don't want to see television or radio or sure. anybody there unless they want to be a part of the presentation. But we do it in, in kind of in a quiet setting hand the check to them, tell them if there's anything else they need, then uh, we just excuse ourselves and move on. You mentioned community and the fact that police officers and firemen, first responders are all part of the community, and you've been doing this for so long. Can you tell us how the relationship with the police has changed or has it gotten better or has it gotten worse over time? Just your personal opinion on how relationships have gone the public and the police officers and the fire department. I, I, th- I can only I can only uh, talk about the Dallas Fort Worth area. It, mm-hmm. it it's actually gotten better because the silent majority, which is us, the working class, they're reaching out to these guys and gals and, and letting them know how much they care. Um, there was a gentleman uh, from Mesquite, Texas. Uh, he's a police officer over Mesquite. He fought several years ago. He went viral. If you guys remember, I'm sure you do, Chris, where he saw a bunch of kids uh, boxing in a parking lot with gloves on, him being an amateur boxer. And right. He, uh, he got out of the car, put the gloves on, and sparred with the kids. Um, I asked him specifically <clears throat> here just a couple of months ago what his thoughts were about the community of Mesquite, and he said, man, they're embracing us big time. He goes, I don't, I don't if I go to calls, I'm not getting the, the negative connotations surrounding police. Uh, my daughter, obviously, with the guys that I have relationships with over at Garland, it's the same thing. I mean, I think this the, the major metropolitan cities, Dallas, uh, Los Angeles, Chicago, the you know, that's where the politics bo- born and die. Um, I think the suburbs are quite quite a bit different in mm-hmm. that those people are hardworking. 
the politics aren't quite as important to them as, as it is in the big cities. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't feel it. They're not seeing it. Um, and, and that's a positive. And this happened, you know, back when the Dallas Five. Right. Um, big, big, you know, a lot of people were coming coming out of the woodwork and wanting to, you know, buy meals for the officers and telling them how much they appreciate them. I, I think we can, we as people can watch the overblown media sensation and it opinionates us to where we think there's things going on that may not be happening. On all sides. We're talking with Dave Swavey, who's the founder of Guns and Hoses of North Texas. And Dave, can you tell us some of the things that you guys are doing um, to take care of some of the first responder families that people may not even know about? You mentioned the checks. You mentioned uh, how you're able to get in touch with some of the families. But are there other things other than boxing or or things that, you know, like a poignant story or something? Yeah, there's there'll be families that 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 lose an officer or a firefighter that didn't that did not happen on duty. And we we get in contact with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we just lost a guy uh, several months ago that was a that had participated in the event. And, uh, you know, we'll do simple things with them. We'll we'll call them, asking them how they feel, you know, invite them to the events, let them be a part of us. And just just to kind of wrap our, you know, hug them. You know, a lot of times, you know, we can't even hug people now with the pandemic, but right. just letting them know that we that we're with that we're here. You're not by yourself, and and believe you me, Chris, being a cop almost 45 years, we say things to the family that's not necessarily true. And when we walk out the door, we say, "Hey, if anything happens to me, this place will take care of you." That's true in small pieces. Right. Uh, there may be an individual officer or firefighter that has a friend that's willing to come and mow the yard and things of that nature. But, but by and far, you know, the local associations have a lot of involvement with those guys and gals. <clears throat> We're on standby all the time to just put a fundraiser together to try to help these families. Uh, uh, like I said, I've been contacted on numerous occasions because of the deaths of officers uh, because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just kind of here for them. Um, we help the local food pantries, which is, you know, based in some of these departments, um, you know, within the city, we have officers assigned to working the homeless. So, you know, we kind of assist them in some regard in, and, uh, because of our relationship with, with the community, a lot of officers and firemen will reach out to me and say, Hey, I I really want to do a fundraiser. Can you help us? So we're, we're helping those guys. I got a guy right now out in West Texas that's wanting to do a lacrosse tournament and he's reaching out to us to, to kind of get the, uh, you know, let's not reinvent the wheel. How can you help? So mm-hmm. a lot of different ways to, to try to help these families and just be there if, if needed. Before we get out of here, you touched on this a little earlier, but I thought since we're just coming off the holidays and I actually had a chance to go out there a, a couple of years ago, maybe it was this last year, the time that the guys, when you guys go out to the, the, the grocery store, and you take the families out there and you raise money, and I think the families get a chance to go pick up some goods. They, uh, Yes, sir, they do. As a matter of fact, uh, <clears throat> they had to change it all up. They had to reinvent themselves this year. But with, with Jerry Click's efforts in the Garland Fire Department, he, he takes a, approximately 90 kids every year, and he gives them $125, and each family is able to go into a Walmart and purchase whatever that kid wants. And Yeah. And you're just amazed at what they buy, you know. Um, and then last year, a local firefighter stepped up and donated additional $5,000. So they were able to raise the amount of money monetarily to the kids to, I believe it was 175. And that happens each and every year. And he's been doing it forever. And he just got recognized at the first responder bowl for, uh, for his efforts. So, uh, we applaud that. And, and, and again, that happens all around the communities, you know, the, the, the Santa cops in Dallas and things of that nature, those guys, you know, they, they, they go to a call, but, it, you know, it pulls on their heartstrings seeing that little kid, something happened to his parent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they don't forget that. They want to come back and try to help. So uh, there's a lot of good things that are going on. And, and honestly, it, there's just so much negative in politics right now. You, you, you wish we could get a new news station that just showed the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Balance um, it all off. But uh, I, I applaud what goes on in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um the politics, you know, aside, there's a lot of hardworking cops 
uh, and firefighters out there, you know, putting it out every single day, knowing what they do, and then, you know, knowing that when they, they may not come home. And uh, it's happened, like I said, 61 times since we started this in 2002. That's a number that, that's too big for me. Hey, Dave, where can people get a hold of Guns and Hoses if they wanted to help you guys out at all? Well, they can like us on Facebook, or they can go to gunsandhosesnorthtx.org, and we have a donate page there. They can follow us on Facebook with our events and things that we do. But, yeah, they can go to gunsandhosestx, or they can go to gunsandhosesnorthtx.org to our website, and uh, we'd appreciate any and all. We look for volunteers to come on board and help us out or, or donate or, or suggest. You know, what, what aren't we doing? What could we do to help better? Well, Dave, it's always a pleasure. You know I'm always there for you. Just give me a call at any time. Yeah, buddy. Go Browns. All right. That's the great Dave Swavey, founder of the Guns and Hoses of North Texas. Thanks for listening today, and be sure to listen for Better Living this time next week as we highlight others who are doing great things right here in North Texas. For everybody who's been a part of this one, I'm Chris Arnold, and I want to tell you and yours, have a very outstanding rest of your day. So long, everybody. Got you down. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.